What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Got a quick one for you today as Steve Kerr clarifies his comments on the Anthony Davis trade. Draymond Green says timing was everything for when he got drafted to the Warriors. And Clay Thompson has himself a rehab buddy. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I am your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Happy almost August, I guess, right? Isn't it almost August? <laughs> want to shout out Manscaping for their support of Locked On Warriors. Uh, Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That is 20% at manscaped.com with promo code Locked On. Not to get too personal. Their stuff works, though. Definitely go check out manscaped.com. Back to the NBA, back to the Warriors. Steve Kerr recently, I don't know, might have ruffled some feathers, I guess, with his comments on the Anthony Davis trade request. And I think the thing that really is taken out of context and blown out of proportion is the fact that Steve Kerr said it's bad for the league. And that's just a headline right there. You got to be careful with what you say. Because they'll take that, run it as the headline, and that's all anyone sees. No one actually reads what he actually said and puts it to the context. They just see that it was bad for the league, and then they want to bash Steve Kerr. Now, what Steve said was, you know, when a guy refuses to play out the length of his contract, etc., that's what's bad for the league. And my argument was, well, we don't know if Anthony Davis said that he wouldn't play Because part of it was the organization saying, we know we're going to trade you, so we don't want you to hurt our draft chances. Our draft lottery chances, you know, our our odds to uh, get the number one pick, which they did. So, again, I, I didn't completely agree with Steve Kerr's opinion. And even as he clarifies it, I'm still kind of on the fence about it. But... One thing that we don't know, and we, I, I don't know how you factor it into it because we, we don't know and we never will know, is the fact that Steve Kerr and Alvin Gentry are friends. You know, Alvin Gentry was an assistant coach with the Warriors, won a championship with him before he went on to uh, take the head coaching job in New Orleans. Famously said he was going to kick the Warriors' ass <laughs> uh, in the uh, championship celebration. But Steve Kerr and Alvin Gentry are friends, so maybe Steve Kerr has insights that we don't have and never will have when it comes to the Anthony Davis situation and how it was dealt with and how dealing with it could have been really tough and detrimental to the team. But again, we'll probably never get that info. What we do have is Steve Kerr went on uh, KMBR with his old buddy Tom Tolbert and uh, tried to clarify what, what he said, what he meant, and was saying it had more to do with the public nature of Anthony Davis's trade request. Here's what Steve, some of what Steve had to say. 
If it's done behind the scenes, there's no harm done. I have no problem with a player requesting a trade quietly. I have no problem with player empowerment. I think it's great as a former player. I think the more rights the players have, the better. My point was just the manner in which that happened kind of alienated a fan base and it put a lot of players in a weird spot on both teams, and it was so uncomfortable. It was so awkward just to watch that unfold over the second half of the season. That's what I was referring to. I have no problem with the trade request. If it's done quietly and behind the scenes, then it's, it's much more comfortable for everybody, especially all the players involved. I think that's what I was really referring to, just the dysfunction that it led to for both those teams involved in the trade. That was the real issue for me. And, okay. It's not really close to what he said initially, <laughs> you know. I uh, There might be some backpedaling here, which is fine. And, again, I don't think... These comments will be forgotten pretty soon, regardless of whether he tried to backpedal or reinforce them. But you can't argue with what he said just now, just trying to clarify him, even though I don't think that was his initial uh, point he was trying to make, was that it was incredibly awkward for the Lakers, for the Pelicans. If I mean, if you remember, as soon as all that stuff came out about the Lakers and just about everyone being on the block and being offered for Anthony Davis, that team started playing terribly. The chemistry went down the tubes, and you know who knows if that's exactly what it had to do with, but I definitely contributed. So... You can't argue with that. I don't know if that was his initial point, though. Um, It would be great if trade demands were handled behind the scenes. It would be way more surprising. Like the Paul George trade. No one saw that coming, and it blew our minds. It was incredible. First, you see Kawhi going to the Clippers, and then about two tweets later, Woj is telling you that Paul George is traded to the Clippers for a massive haul. So... I I do think it would be cool if trade demands were kept quiet, but I think that's almost impossible in today's day and age, which also makes the Paul George thing that much more incredible that they were able to keep it quiet for however long it it took, a week or whatever. Uh, So there's Steve, you know, uh, no harm, no foul either way. Uh, uh, It was pretty funny after that. He said, I heard Kendrick Perkins let me have it, huh? And Kerr was laughing about it because, you know, I don't think Steve Kerr what I don't think Steve Kerr cares what Kendrick Perkins has to say. I'm not sure there are a lot of people that care what Kendrick Perkins has to say, especially when he isn't addressing what Steve Kerr actually said. He started bringing up Mark Jackson. It was really, really weird. Tom Tolbert said, "Yeah, he got a little confused with the rant coming to your team and Davis going to the Lakers, and one was free agency and one wasn't close to free agency. But other than that, it was exactly the same." Tom Tolbert said sarcastically. So hopefully that's the end of it. It's just the offseason, man, and a head coach coming out saying something like that uh, publicly. We'll get headlines, and it'll get talked about on Locked On. It'll get talked about everywhere else. It'll get talked about on Kendrick Perkins' Twitter account. So there it is. Probably clears everything up until Steve Kerr does another podcast and says something mildly and extremely mildly controversial that we will all run with. Four days. Going to take a break, come back. Draymond Green talked about recently just how fortunate he was in the timing of getting drafted to the Warriors. And I know that's a mouthful, but uh, I'll explain it when we come back here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton, and I just want to let you know Bomba's socks are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Plus, for every Bomba's purchase, they donate a pair to someone in need. Find out more about what feet daydream about at bombas.com slash locked today and get 20% off at bombas.com slash locked. That is B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash L-O-C-K-E-D. And they are the greatest socks of all time. I, It is a weird, I, I wouldn't call it guilty pleasure because I don't feel guilty about it, but a great pair of socks is second to none in my book. I love a good pair of socks, and Bombas has the best. And you also feel good because they're donating socks to people in need. So definitely go check them out. And real quick, by the way, look, Bombas does have the most comfortable socks in the world. I'm not going to lie. I hear the NBA, the official NBA socks, not the ones that you can buy. The ones that they give to the players are are just made of clouds and sunshine and whatever other good stuff you can think of. So if you can steal some socks from, like, an, an NBA player, do it. But if not, get Bombas. There was my sock, sock segment for you guys. Uh, just a quick peek into my uh, own weird mind. I'm a big sock guy. What can I say? No. You know what? Hit me up on Twitter, at CTH415. Am I the crazy one, or am I, am, I, am I right? Socks, good pair of socks is the best. Let me know. All right? Only if you agree with me, honestly. Draymond Green <laughs> recently spoke about uh, getting drafted to the Warriors and why he was so fortunate to get drafted to them when he did. And it's a really interesting conversation. You're you're getting a second hand from Kirk Lacob, who had the initial conversation with Draymond here. But it's really interesting for a number of reasons. I'm sure you're sitting there thinking, oh, it's because, you know, small ball. He came at the perfect time for small ball, and a player like him could never play the four before this, and blah, 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 blah. Sure, there might be some of that to it, but what he's really talking about is the fact that he was able to develop with the Warriors when he got drafted, and that is something that we haven't seen with the Warriors recently. So Kirk Lacob was talking to Nick Friedel of ESPN, and Kirk said, "Uh, I had a conversation with Draymond about this right after our season. He said, I would not be the player I was today if I had to come into this Warriors team three years ago. And he's saying three years ago would have been when, you know, KD first came over. Green played in 79 games as a rookie, starting only once and averaged 13.4 minutes per game, playing behind David Lee, Carl Landry, and others. Draymond scored 2.9 points per game while grabbing 3.3 rebounds under head coach Mark Jackson in the 2012-13 season. And then this is like a begin. He's like, when I got here, we were a completely different team. I was given a chance, and I failed a lot. And he's like, I sucked my first year. My second year, I was okay. My third year, I got an opportunity. That's hard for young guys who aren't being given that opportunity because we got guys who have been here a long time and have established roles. There's just no opportunity for growth. Which I find really interesting and a really good point and something we've talked about here for a while. So this is not Draymond talking. This is me. It's hard for players to develop and grow on a team like the Warriors, especially when they had Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala and veterans like Zaza and David West and JaVale. You know, who knows what would have happened with Damian Jones? Uh, You know, maybe Kevon Looney could have uh, progressed quicker if he had more opportunities. 
Pat McCaw, I know part of what made Pat McCaw leave was that he didn't see a path for opportunity, which, again, you guys know I've talked about. It's it's kind of ironic because he would have all the opportunity he wants last year and this year if he had just stuck around. Uh, Jacob Evans had zero opportunities to develop last year, like literally zero. Unless it was the G League, he was not seeing the court, which is too bad. This year, all of that is going to change. And they gave us the lip service about it last year, which was just not true. They, they lied to us last year. But the Warriors this year have a completely reconstructed roster. Ton of youth. I think Steph Curry's the oldest player on the team at 31. Everyone else is, besides uh, Draymond and Clay, is 27 or younger. So this is a young team, and these young guys are going to get tons of opportunities. Last year, the Warriors had the third oldest roster in the NBA with an average age of 28.4 years. Right now, their roster is the eighth youngest, averaging 24.9 years. Uh, Jacob Evans only played in 30 games as a rookie, and all of that was mop-up duty, getting two or three minutes here or there. His playing time is going to increase drastically. He's stepped into... One of the first off the bench, which, good. Uh, I want these guys to develop. I want these draft picks to get minutes and get opportunities to fail and learn. They're trying to make him a point guard. That'll be interesting. Whether that works or not, he still has the ability to contribute, whether it's as a point guard or off guard, whatever. Defense is going to be his main thing. But if he can find a role as a point guard, that'll make him that much more valuable. With Jordan Poole, Eric Paschal, Alan Smilagich, they should all find playing time, especially Poole and Pascal. Smilagic, I would imagine, is going to develop down in the G League mostly this year, but we'll just have to wait and see. The Warriors, of course, have title aspirations, but this is a year where they should use it to develop players, and they're finally going to. And Draymond nailed it right on the head. If he came into a league, like I was surprised to see that he played 79 games as a rookie. You know, a lot of it was short stints, obviously, but the fact is, I, I don't remember him getting that much, the, getting in those many games. And that mattered. That made a difference, the fact that he was able to go in there and fail, but also succeed. I mean, he definitely learned things playing in almost 80 games his rookie year. And now we're going to see that this year, and it'll be invaluable for guys like Jordan Poole, specifically uh, Jacob Evans as well. One of the things I hate about the what, what happened with uh, not developing players is I wouldn't call Jacob Evans' rookie year a waste because he was playing in the G League. He did get some experience, but it definitely wasn't maximized. That one year of his, his rookie contract was not maximized uh, to for his development or his full ability. So that's one of the things I didn't like about the lack of development over the last three, four years was just the fact that not only are these players not developing, but you're also kind of wasting time of their their team-controlled contract by not developing them. But that's going to change. Should be interesting. And the thing is, I just mentioned all the rookies and the young guys. I mean, there's still guys like Glenn Robinson, uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, Amari Spellman, who they traded for. I mean, here's the thing. He is one who... They're going to play him at the five because of his size, his girth, so to speak. But that's also one of the detriments is he's kind of 
big and out of shape. If he can get into shape, the Warriors might have something with him as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this development works and how successful can they be while developing players. And one more thing, we talked about the youth on this team. I also want to mention, even though I have mentioned it before, it became officially official, like the team announced it, pen to paper, done deal. Kai Bowman and Damian Lee are now officially on two-way contracts with the Golden State Warriors. I know it's been mentioned before, but the team actually announced it today, which means done deal, lock it up. They are the technically 16th and 17th roster spots. The two two-way roster spots are Kai Bowman and Damian Lee. Going to take one more break, come back. Clay Thompson is doing his rehab, and he found himself a, a friendly rehab partner. That's coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. Charles T. Hamilton, what's good? Just went over the Warriors' uh, new philosophy this season in developing players and what some have called the Spurs method of being playoff team, being relevant while developing players. And it's something the Spurs have done so well. And after watching the Warriors the last you know five years, seeing how hard it is, man, <laughs> it's tough. And you know what? Maybe the Spurs are just lucky enough that they've drafted you know two spots ahead of the Warriors every year. But I, you got to give the Spurs credit for developing the players like they did. DeJounte Murray, uh, Derek White, finding guys like Davis Bertans, Bryn Forbes, you know, all that. So anyways, one other thing that happened recently, uh, actually just today, CJ McCollum signs a three-year, $100 million contract. Good for him. It's just one of those things that uh, I want to mention, obviously, because Warriors play the Blazers a bunch, but also because we've always questioned whether that small backcourt could work and are they going to ever win a title? I don't know. At what point do we decide something works? Is it title or bust? Because if so, then maybe it won't work. Is it being a perennial playoff team? then, yeah, it's worked. It's worked damn well. A perennial playoff team with questionable parts surrounding those two, then it absolutely has worked. But I don't know. I don't know where we gauge it at. But it's also something to look at with the Warriors where the D'Angelo Russell thing is up in the air. We don't know how it's going to happen, how it's going to work. You know, oh, I don't know if you can play with three guards or that backcourt of Steph and D'Angelo won't be great defensively. And then you can look at Portland. And neither of those guards are as big as Steph or D'Angelo Russell. They haven't. Portland would kill to have Clay Thompson play the three for them. The thing is with Clay Thompson, him playing, I, I believe wholeheartedly that he can play the three. There's no question about it. He's definitely big enough. But the thing is, then you lose some of the. Some of his advantages of being such a big shooting guard. You know what I mean? Like some of his advantages are the fact that he's a six, seven shooting guard. And there's not a lot of them out there in today's NBA. And if there are, they're definitely not as big and strong as Clay Thompson. So that's one of the questions. But it's just it, it's it's a thought. You know, when you see Portland, of course, double down on CJ. They're not going to just let him walk. That's the thing. Even if they decide in a year or two that it doesn't work, they still have that asset that they can move under contract and under reasonable contract. You know. If you break down three years, 100 mil, that comes out to about 33 million a year. 
And in today's NBA, that's not that crazy. Speaking of Clay Thompson a minute ago, he has found himself a nice rehab partner in Rocco the Dog. I know I'm sure you all were hoping for like a great rehab update from Clay. No, it's mostly just that Rocco's been by his side every step of the way. Uh, Clay might be getting a little bored with the rehab because he's, you know, Instagramming more than he has, which, trust me, still isn't a lot. But some of the ones that have come out are uh, Rocco just not <laughs> not leaving his side, basically not allowing him to rehab without Rocco being in the middle of it. It's pretty cute. It's, it's what we love about Clay, and uh, I would suggest you all go check it out and enjoy. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going to be out of town the next couple days, so I'll try and get one out on Friday. If not, maybe over the weekend, uh, but definitely hear from me soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You can't climb a mountain if it's smooth, right? You got to go over the rough spots. (laughs) Peace. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.